0: God knows the end from the beginning, Isaiah 46, 9, and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. When one believes that Bible truth, one will or should ask God, Father, what would you do if you were me? If I want to be supremely successful in my life and make genius decisions all the time, I will ask God, Father, what would you do if you were me? When he answers, I follow his instructions. God knows the end from the beginning, and he will take that information into consideration when he gives his direction. When I first gave my life to Jesus Christ over 50 years ago, I was being taught by God how to hear his voice and follow his instructions, even though some of his instructions seemed counterproductive to natural reasoning. My wife and I had our first child. I was finishing college and I needed a job. Three job offers were available to me. One, a straight commission opportunity at a furniture TV appliance store. This would not be hourly or salaried wages. I'd get paid if I'd made sales. I was an experienced and excellent salesman, and I would do very well with this job. 2. A driver-delivery man for a trucking company similar to FedEx. The hourly wages was good enough, and they would work around my college schedule. 3. Taxi driving. My third option was to drive a taxi not in a bustling metropolitan market, but in the suburbs and poor ones at that. This job would have me starting at 5 p.m. and working through the night to 2.30 a.m. The clientele would be the poor and the drunks leaving after the bar's last call. There was no hourly wage. I would receive a percentage of the fare. Taxi driving would most likely not pay the government minimum wage of the day. Presented with these three employment options, I asked, Father, what would you do if you were me? He told me to take the taxi job. I thanked him for the direction and took the job. Keep in mind, God knows the end from the beginning. At that particular time, my earthly father and I began to plan uh, plan to publish a weekly newspaper. We would publish that paper for 13 years and four months and at its zenith, the paper boasted a circulation of 56,000 households per week. During my tenure in the cab, I learned the entire layout of the county's towns and boroughs and designed the delivery routes for paper boys and girls. The paper had nearly 300 delivery routes, which of course were foundational and pivotal to the newspaper. At the end of one year in the taxi cab, I retired from the taxi business and we began to sell advertising space in the Western Advertiser. After a handful of months, we began to host a gospel page in the Western Advertiser, calling the lost sons and daughters of Adam to Christ. During the lifetime of the Western Advertiser, we circulated approximately 30 million gospel tracts and many beautiful souls were edified and won unto the Christ of Calvary. That weekly paper, is also foundational to this gospel ministry that you know is God Said Man Said, where we expect to hit one million souls on our soul counter in just two weeks. One year of driving a taxi led to a multitude of souls won unto the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Imagine that. By any natural analysis, taking the taxi job was a poor choice indeed. I asked God, Father, what would you do if you were me he answered son take the taxi job he knew the end from the beginning and the best is yet to come dear visitor have you yet to make your peace with god if you were to ask god what he would do if he were you what do you suppose his reply would be the marvelously good news is that jesus christ gives the answer to a ruler of the jews a man named nicodemus in john 3 3 Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. At born again, born a most literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God, you will become a new creature in just a few moments. I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you do, you will be born a second time. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be clean. Today, all of the devil's bondages in your life will be broken. You will be free. Today, you will become a brand new son or daughter of God. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Psalms 115, verses 15 and 16. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. God said, Isaiah forty five eighteen, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God Himself that formed the earth and made it, He hath established it. He created it not in vain, He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. God said, Luke 17, 20 and 21. And when He was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Man said, The Bible? Certainly not. I'll follow science. So what if science doesn't know the end from the beginning? Who cares about the future? I live for the moment. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said feature 1184 that will once again certify the inerrancy of God's beautiful book, The Majority Text Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used in your efforts to redeem the lost. Every Thursday eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May your life be filled with the joy, purpose, and expectation that is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. When you read the history of creation in Genesis chapter 1, it becomes apparent that all of the earth, all of the life forms on the earth, and the entire universe itself was created by God for man who was given dominion over all the earth. Genesis chapter 1 Verses 26 through 28. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and, every, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Science comes to grips with this truth and what they know as the anthropic principle. Dr. Roger G. Gallup addresses this concept in his book, Evolution, The Greatest Deception in Modern History, where he writes, Another aspect of pre-programmed design is the anthropic principle, or the realization by scientists that the universe was designed in a very precise manner to support human life. This principle is an example to explain the fact that fundamental constants of physics and chemistry are fine-tuned to allow the universe and life to exist. This principle was first suggested by anthropologist and cosmologist Brandon Carter in 1973 when he concluded that essential structures from the subatomic level to the entire universe depend on delicate balances between different physical laws. Such balances could not have arisen by random chance. There's overwhelming evidence that our universe, galaxy, solar system, stars and planets, and the earth were fine-tuned for the existence and well-being of human, animal, and plant life, end of quote. The God-said, man-said feature anthropic principle had this to say. Have you ever heard of the term anthropocentrism? descriptionary a thematic dictionary defines anthropocentrism the belief that human beings are at the center of all meaning and creation today's physicists are preoccupied with what is commonly known as the anthropic principle to science it is the intriguing discovery that all things have been designed with man in mind in the 1997 issue of nature magazine Physicists Carr and Reese dealt with this subject in a feature titled The Anthropic Principle and the Structure of the Physical World. Can it be? Could all of creation be designed to facilitate the needs of man, including the universe? Are man and the earth central to the universe? Or are we just an accident that happens on occasion? The following excerpt is from a feature on this website titled "Ever Learning." In six days... God created all that you see. The host of heaven was created on the fourth day for the purpose of serving the earth. The earth is the center of attention. Stephen Hawking, in his book, A Brief History of Time, seems to be tripping over the truth, he reports. Now at first sight, all of this evidence that the universe looks the same whichever direction we look in might seem to suggest there is something special about our place in the universe. In particular, it might seem that if we observe all other galaxies to be moving away from us, that we must be at the center of the universe. There is, however, an alternative explanation. The universe might look the same in every direction as seen from any other galaxy, too. This, as we have seen, was Friedman's second assumption. We believe it only on grounds of modesty. It would be most remarkable if the universe looked the same in every direction around us, but not around other points in the universe, end of quote. The observable evidence shows the earth as the center of the universe, end of quote. A lot of bold talk emanates forth from the camp of the evolutionists, evolution being the god of the world's academics, but it's bold talk that they do not own. The Word of God clearly tells us that the world was created for and to be inhabited by man. They call it the anthropic principle. Psalms 115, 15, and 16. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of man. Isaiah 45:18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. The dazzling earth and universe, with all its ingenious physical laws, and all the meticulous, almost impossible fine-tuning that makes life possible, has cast the world's physicists in a serious quandary. How could all of this possibly be the result Of some cosmic accident. Evolution's time and chance just simply won't do. Satan's champions are doing their utmost to avoid the dreaded God word. It's like the earth and its universe was made specifically and miraculously for man, just like God's word declared thousands of years ago. Who knew? Let's let the scientists speak for themselves. The following paragraphs are from the book, Does God Exist?, edited by David Miller, Ph.D. Excerpts follow. In an interview with Stein, uh, Dawkins went on to say concerning the supposed alien creators, but that higher intelligence would itself had to have come about uh, by some ultimately inexplicable process. It couldn't have just jumped into existence spontaneously. So the alien creators, as Dawkins himself admits, have been strapped with the laws of nature as well. Thus, the problem of abiogenesis is merely shifted to the aliens' abode, where the question of the origin of life must still be answered. Bottom line, life is evidence of design, and by implication, an intelligent designer. Believing that aliens are life's designer is an admission of that truth. Writing in New Scientist, Dawkins admitted, the more statistically improbable a thing is, the less we can believe that it has just happened by blind chance. Superficially, the obvious alternative to chance is an intelligent designer. Sadly, the atheist simply cannot bring himself to accept the clear-cut obvious alternative that is staring him in the face. We have to figure out a way to explain all of this design in nature. George Ellis, and professor of physics and astronomy at Johns Hopkins University, Joseph Silk, wrote in 2014 in Nature, This year, debates in physics circles took a worrying turn. Faced with difficulties in applying fundamental theories to the observed universe, some researchers called for a change in how theoretical physics is done. Ironically, the difficulties theoretical physicists have encountered have become considerable enough that apparently going beyond nature is necessary. According to cosmologist Bernard Carve, Queen Mary University in London, a supernatural option of some sort is demanded. He warned cosmologists to accept the inevitable implications of the evidence. If you don't want God, you'd better have multiverse. The multiverse has, therefore, been latched onto by many naturalists to try to explain away the difficulties facing physicists without resorting to God, even though, among other issues with it, there is absolutely no evidence for its existence. Lee Smolin said, We had to invent the multiverse, and according to Lawson Parker writing in National Geographic, it arose from our imagination. The use of our imagination to determine Where we came from certainly sounds like today's science is moving ever further into the realm of fiction. Besides the existence of the laws of physics, what kind of difficulties are physicists encountering that are forcing them to conclude that something outside of the universe exists and therefore that they need to invent the multiverse to avoid God? Many have articulated well that problem. Read on to see a great lesson by naturalists on the need for a supernatural designer for the universe. According to Tim Folger, writing in Discover Magazine, the idea that the universe was made just for us, known as the anthropic principle, debuted in 1973. Since then, the mountain of evidence supporting the principle has drastically grown in elevation. Consider, for example, In a 2011 article under the heading Seven Questionable Arguments for the Multiverse, Ellis discussed argument number four. A remarkable fact about our universe is that physical constants have just the right values needed to allow for complex structures, including living things. I agree that the multiverse is a possible valid explanation for the fine-tuning examples. Arguably... It is the only scientifically based option we have right now, but we have no hope of testing it observationally. Notice that the multiverse is the only scientifically based option, and yet we have no hope of testing it observationally. Doesn't that make it an unscientifically based option based on naturalistic thinking? Folger quotes Lindy in Discover Magazine. We have a lot of really, really strange coincidences, and all of these coincidences are such that they make life possible, Lindy says. Physicists don't like coincidences. They like even less the notion that life is somehow central to the universe, and yet recent discoveries are forcing them to confront that very idea. Call it a fluke, a mystery, a miracle, or call it the biggest problem in physics. Short of invoking a benevolent creator... Many physicists see only one possible explanation. Our universe may be but one of perhaps infinitely many universes in an inconceivably vast multiverse. Advocates argue that, like it or not, the multiverse may well be the only viable non-religious explanation for what is often called the fine-tuning problem, the baffling observation that the laws of the universe seem custom-tailored to favor the emergence of life. Andre Lindy. And if we double the mass of the electron life as we know it, it will disappear. If we change the strength of the interaction between protons and electrons, life will disappear. Why are there three space dimensions and one time dimension? If we had four space dimensions and one time dimension, the planetary systems would be unstable and our version of life would be impossible. If we had two space dimensions and one time dimension, we would not exist, he says. If there is no multiverse, where does that leave physicists? If there is only one universe, Carr says, you might have to have a fine tuner. If you don't want God, you'd better have a multiverse. Notice physicists cannot help but acknowledge the truth of the teleological argument, intentional design, for the existence of God. The universe seems to have been perfectly designed with detailed fine-tuning just for us. Design demands a designer. Resorting to belief in the multiverse is a concession by naturalists that we have been right all along. There exists an unseen realm. But rather than concede God, naturalists invent the evidence-less imaginary multiverse. Ironically. All the while, the multiverse is itself a supernatural option, albeit one without any rules concerning how we should behave, making it attractive to many, although once again, without any evidence to support it, end of quote. So their conclusion is, if there's no God, then there must be an, an invisible multiverse or a megaverse that is not discernible to the naked eye, which is the creator of all that is, and is alt- and it ultimately rules and dictates all outcomes. Here they go again, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. They have arrived at the invisible kingdom of God, at the God has created all that is, at the God who ultimately rules and dictates all outcomes. They have arrived at Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo, here, or Lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. These wise academics have arrived at the invisible kingdom of God, which they are calling the multiverse, but they can't come in. This place is only entered into on one's knees." We are entering the very end of time, very, very hard times. We need to know the Word of God is true, and it is, every jot and every tittle. Get your feet planted on the solid rock, saints. Be sure, we shall do it marvelously. It's time to shine. God said, Psalms 115, verses 15 and 16. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. God said, Isaiah forty-five eighteen. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens. God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. God said, Luke seventeen twenty and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo, here or, Lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Man said, The Bible? <laughs> certainly not. I'll follow science. So what if science doesn't know the end from the beginning? Who cares about the future? I live for the moment. Now you have the record.